Welcome to Irish Tales podcast. Today's story is called The First Battle of Moitura, where the Firbolg and the Tuatha Dé went to war. And so it was when dragons still flew and champions walked the earth that the men of the Firbolg had lordship over all of Ireland. They had left Ireland centuries before due to the violence and heavy tribute demanded by the Fomorians, travelling far and wide until they came to the distant land of Greece. Although they made agreement and treaty with those who dwelt there, they were only given hard rocks and broken land for their homes. Undaunted, they bore enormous bags of soil to their new land and made green and smiling fields of them. But when their neighbours saw the depth of clover and fertile crops they had planted, they were moved on again, until they tired of this and decided to return to Ireland in ships made of their soil bags, but not forgetting to repay the Greeks their sentiments by raiding and burning their cities first. On these woven ships they travelled across the ocean back to Ireland, through tempest and storm, and when they arrived they divided the land up among themselves, living in peace and prosperity for 30 years. This was around the same time as the children of Israel were leaving Egypt's serpentine empire. One morning, Jochid, the high king of the Firbolg, awoke from a dream and he was deeply troubled, afire with fever and cold with night sweats. Summoning his great wizard, Cesard, the king asked him the meaning of his vision. I saw a great flack flock of blackbirds, said the king, coming from the depths of the ocean. They settled over all of us and fought with the people of Ireland. They brought confusion on us and destroyed us. One of us, methought, struck the noblest of the birds and cut off one of its wings. And so saying, he implored the druid prince to reveal by his rituals and sciences what this meant. This is what Cesar did and he returned to the king with grim tidings. Warriors are coming across the sea, he said. A thousand heroes covering the ocean. Speckled ships will press in upon us. All kinds of death they announce. A people skilled in every art. A magic spell. An evil spirit will come upon you. Signs to lead you astray, and they will be victorious in every contention. It was then that all the land was covered in a smoke and fog, Broiling clouds covered Ireland until the sun itself shone dull and red, like the watchful eye of the bloody god. And this was the sign of the Tuatha Dé Danann, who had burned their mighty fleet of ships when they landed. And what can we say of the Tuatha Dé Danann? Themselves son of Nemed and sons of Ireland, they had travelled abroad and had many adventures. They were renowned for their beauty and grace, they prospered till their fame spread far and wide over the waters and lands. They had a powerful druid of their own, whose name was the great Dagda, or Dagdamore. Their kings and princes were fierce and bold, skilled and unrelenting, greatly experienced in the military methods of many nations. Wise was their attitude, and distinguished their armour and arms. Their music skilful and their gifts many. They came and settled in the red hills of Brefney and Connacht, their hearts filled with gladness for having come home at last. The Fairbolg knew little of these numerous arrivals, 
and so they determined to send someone to investigate and talk with them. Shreng was selected from among their number, for he had a face like a flint cliff and was the sort of fellow who'd go through you for a shortcut, although his heart, in truth, was wise and fair. Strapping on his weapons, armour and shield, he went forth to meet the Tuatha. Brez the Handsome, son of Elaha, saw this great lump of a man coming his way and went out to meet him. They spoke, and their hearts were gladdened, for their tongue was the same, having come from the same line of people. And Shreng said to Brez, My flesh and my tongue were gladdened at your pleasant, cheerful language, as you recounted the genealogies from Nemed downwards. By origin, our two people are as brothers. Our race and kin are descended from Semion. This is the proper time to bear it in mind, if we are in flesh and blood of the same distinguished, of the same distinguished race as you. Humble your pride. Let your hearts draw nigher. Be mindful of your brotherhood. Prevent the destruction of your own men. High is our temper. Lordy, lordly our pride and fierce against our foes. You shall not abate it. Should our peoples meet, it will be a gathering where many will be crushed. Let him who will bring entertainment, tis not he that will amuse them. Brez took note of his words and asked him to remove his shield and helm, that he may see the face of the man who spoke so. Shreng removed his helmet and showed Brez his weapons. And what do you make of these? he asked. I see, said Bred. Brez, huge weapons, broad-pointed, stout and heavy, mighty and keen-edged. Woe to him whom they should smite! Woe to him who had! Woe to him at whom they shall be flung! Against whom they shall be cast, they will be instruments of oppression. Death is in their mighty blows. Destruction in one but day. Destruction in one. Destruction in but one descent of them. Wounds are their hard plying, overwhelming is the horror of them. What do you call them, said Brez? Battle javelins are these, said Sreng. They are good weapons, said Brez. Bruised bodies, they mean. Gushing gore, broken bones and shattered shields. Sure scars and present plague. Death and eternal blemish they deal. Sharp, foe-like and deadly are your weapons and there is fury and fratricide in the hearts of the hosts of those weapons they are. And there is fury for fratricide in the hearts of the hosts whose weapons they are. And so the two sat and talked into the night, sharing their stories and their friendship with one another. As the dawn broke in the east, they exchanged weapons that their fellows might have a good look at them, and parted ways. Sreng had to know, of course, what the Daedonan wanted. Tell the fair bulgs, said Brez, that they must give my people either battle or half of Ireland. On my word, said Sreng, I should prefer to give you half of Ireland than to face your weapons. And so they parted peacefully on good terms. When Brez got back to the camp of the Tuatha, they were in wonder of the spear he showed them, as well as Brez's description of Shreng as a warlike, fearless and hard man, and not a little concerned. So they decided to move camp to the black hill called Slave Belgaden, and from its strong summit 
they led hold of Ireland. From that hilltop went forth Maib and Macca and Morrigan to the knoll of the holy heart of Ireland itself, Tara. And they rained down upon the fir bog showers of blood and stinging rains of fire. Clouds of dense mist and sorcery, so the fir bog knew no peace for three days and nights. Aren't we badly off, said the fir bog, that our sorcerers are powerless against that, this magic. But Cesard and his companions, Fahak, Gnachak and Ignachak, stood up and said, Worry not, we will protect you. And they put an end to the Tuha's sorcery. But the battle had only started. The fair bog came from all around, eleven great hosts against the seven of the Tuha, and they drew up the plain of Moinia. The Tuha sent poets and druids to the fair bog, to the very high king himself, and gave him their terms. It was half of Ireland they wanted, and not an inch less. The fair bog spoke among themselves and rumbled in disgust, but the prevailing opinion was that if these arrivals were given half, they'd end up owning the place, so the fair bog told them to go to hell. Truth be told, though, neither side was fully set up for battle, so they cried off until they had arms readied and armour repaired and clothing cut for the conflict. The fair bog made the venomous javelins of the Tuatha Dé Danann, and the Dé Danann in turn made the broad rending spears of the fair bog. While they were awaiting the production of their weapons, they built them two forts, one on either side of the plain, surrounded by a deep trench and sharpened stones, within which lay a well of healing. The Fairbold Fort was called the Fort of the Bloody Pool, and the Tuaha Fort was called the Fort of Onsets. took six weeks in all for the preparations to be completed, during which time the fair bog challenged the two out Downan to a game of hurling. Brutal and fierce it was, with broken legs, arms and heads, and the casualties were buried under the cairn of the match. In midsummer, on the appointed day of battle, the two hosts rode out, and the poets wept to see their beauty and might, wept for the waste and needless death that the dark gods would drink from that the dark gods would drink off from that struggle. The fair limbs of the dead honour youth would be broken, the engraved swords of the fair bog would be shattered, many a head would roll. Shields locked and swords drawn, sparkling in the morning sunlight, the two of were packed so tightly that they even one wounded one another. And the Dagda led them with ruin and devastation to his left and his right, slaying a hundred and fifty by his own hand. Kerb of the fair bog struck back, pressing hard and pushing the Tuatha from the plain over the course of the day-long battle. Many duels were fought and many brave young men lay headless on that red plain when the sun went down. Each warrior of the fair bog brought back a stone and a head to his king, which they piled into a tall cairn, 
and their wounded went into the healing pool's thick green waters, upon which the druids and wizards scattered healing herbs, so that each man arose whole and fresh, leaving not even a scar to show his wounds. Upon the morning the two armies faced one another again. Strong mighty blows were dealt by the warriors on either side, and the bosses of shields were broken as they vigorously parried blows, while the heroes showed their fury and the warriors their courage. Their spears were twisted by the continual smiting. In the melee their blades broke on splintered bones. The fearsome battle cries of the veterans were drowned in the multitude of agonised shouts. The magicians, wizards and druids cast cunning spells from their pillars to dismay and confound their foes. When night fell, the fear bold had had the worst of it, although they still managed to bring a head and a stone to their high king. Is it that you have been beaten today, said the king? Yes, said Curb, but that will not profit them. By this he meant that the fear bold had taken a heavy toll for their retreat and the victory must taste bitter in the mouths of the Tuatadaunan. On the dreadful third day of the battle, the worst was yet to come. At dawn the Tuatha gathered in their fort and asked who would lead. Dagdamore leapt upon a boulder and said, I shall, for in me you have an excellent warrior. Not a man for the false modesty, our Dagda, nor should he have been, for such folk as these hold no boast against a man as long as he could stand behind it. So they assembled at their side of the plain, brothers, fathers and sons, and they beheld an astonishing sight before them. The Firbolg were dragging out pillars and wooden props to the battlefield, so that even if they were wounded sorely, they might still stand and fight. It is for this reason that Moinea is known to this very day as Moitura, the plain of towers. Well, they set to it with a will, the Dagda on his end laying down wrath and ruin, and Kirb the Fairbolg on the other, carving up the battlefield between them until they met in the middle and strove with great savagery and blows that shook the heavens. All day they did battle until the end, after the sun had set. Dagda finally struck the head from Kirb, and that was that. The Fairbolg were thrashed all the way back to their fort, and the Tuatha took back Kerb's head, and many and others, as well as their pillars with them. The mood was grim and glum in the Fairbolg camp. With their mightiest warrior dead, their hearts were heavy with grief and anger. Then suddenly from the gloaming night came Fintan the Wise, and his thirteen warriors, fell-handed and fierce, the mightiest men of battle in all Ireland. So the Fairbold grew lighter of step, certain that the tide would turn. Fahak, the poet of the Fairbold, bore witness to the brutality the two sides inflicted on one another the following day. A flaming mass was the battle, full of changing hues, many braveries and bloodied gauntlets, of sword play and single combats, of venomous spears and gory swords and javelins. Fierce it was and merciless, wedged close and tightly ranked, furious and far-flung, ebbing and flowing with many and bloodied adventures. The sons of Fintan fell and their killers killed in turn. Their seers and wise men climbed up onto pillars in high places, weaving their sorcery while the poets took note of the feats and wrote down tales of them. 
As for Nuada, he was in the centre of the fight, as was Sreng, and the bodies and blood pooled about them, and Fahak wrote these words. Swiftly advanced the hosts, marshalling on Magnea their restless, resistless might. Tis the Tuatha that advance, and the Fearbolg of the speckled swords. Methinks the Fearbolg will lose some of their brothers there. Many will be the bodies and heads and gashed flanks on the plain. But though they fall on every side, fierce and keen will be their onset. Though they fall, they will make others to fall, and heroes will be laid low by their impetuous valour. Thou hast subdued the fair bulg. They will fall there by the side of their shields and their blades. I will not trust to the strength of any one so long as I shall be in stormy Ireland. I am Fahuk, the poet. Strongly has sorrow vanquished me. And now that the Fairbolg are gone, I shall surrender to the swift advance of disaster. The Furies and monsters and hags of doom cried aloud, so that their voices were heard in the rocks and waterfalls and in the hollows of the earth. It was like the fearful, agonising cry on the last dreadful day, when the human race will part from all this world. The Fairbolg fixed their pillows in the ground to prevent anyone fleeing till the stones should flee. The Tuatha lunged at them with their keen, sharp spears till the stout shafts were twisted through the quivering of the victims on their points. The edges of the swords turned on the lime-covered shields. The curved blades were tempered in boiling pools of blood in the thighs of warriors. Loud was the singing of the lances as they cleft the shields loud the noise and din of the fighters as they battered bodies and broke bones in the rear. Boiling streams of blood took the sight from the grey eyes of resolute warriors. It was then that Brez made an onset on the Fairbolg army and killed 150 of them. He struck nine blows on the shield of Yohud, the High King, and Yohud in his turn dealt him nine wounds. Sreng turned his face to the army of the Tua de Dedanan and slew 150 of them. He struck nine blows on the shield of the High King Nuada, and Nuada dealt him nine wounds. Each dealt dire blows of doom, making great gory wounds on the flesh of the other, till under their grooved blades, shields and spears, heads and helmets broke like the brittle branches, hacked with hatchets wielded by the stout arms of woodmen. Heroes swayed to this side and that, each circling the other as they sought opportunity for a blow. The battle champions rose again over the rims of their emblazoned shields. Their courage grew and the valiant men became steadfast as an arch. Their hands shot up with their swords and they fenced swiftly about the heads of warriors, hacking their helmets. For a moment they thrust back the ranks of the enemy from their places and at the sight of them the hosts wavered like the water flung far over its sides by the kettle through excess of boiling, or the flood that, like a waterfall, an army splashes over a river's banks, making it passable for their troops behind them. So a suitable space was cleared for the chiefs. The heroes yielded them their places, and agile combatants their stations. Warriors were dislodged by them, and the serving men fled for horror of them. To them was left the battle. Heavily the earth was trodden under their feet till the turf grew soft beneath them. Each of them inflicted thirty wounds on the other. 
Drang dealt a blow with his sword at Nuada, and cutting away the rim of his shield, severed his right arm at the shoulder, and the king's arm with a third of his shield fell to the ground. It was then that the high king called aloud for help, and Engaba of Norway, hearing him, entered Frey to protect him. Fierce and furious was the, the attack Engaba and Strang made on each other. Each inflicted on his opponent an equal, equal number of wounds, but they were not comparable as an exchange, for the broad blade of Strang's lance and his stout spear shaft dealt deeper, deadlier wounds. As soon as the Dagda heard the music of the swords in the battle stress, he hastened to the place of conflict with deliberate bounds, like the rush of a great waterfall. Srang declined a contest with two warriors, and though Engaba of Norway did not fall there, it was from the violence of that conflict that he died afterwards. Yokid, king of the fair bold, wrought mightily in his battle fury, but grew thirsty with slaying and went to drink from the strand of Yohal. There three men came upon him and slew him, but he in turn killed them too, including Nuada's own son, and the prince of the Firbolg fell there also. The Dagda came and stood over Nuada, and after the two had taken counsel, he brought fifty soldiers with their physicians. They carried Nuada from the field. His hand was raised in the king's stead, on the fold of valour, a fold of stones surrounding the king, and on it the blood of Nuada's hand trickled. The evil day was done, and the night's dark shadow covered them all. The fair bold were sore, wounded and heartsick that night, full of heavy reproaches, weary and in deep despair, and they took counsel as to whether they should surrender the country to the Tuatha, leave Ireland entirely, or offer one last ferocious fight. Their anger grew and burned brightly as they raised tombs over soldiers, mounds over brave men, graves over warriors, and hills over heroes, and they resolved to fight on one last day. Srang the Mighty agreed, although he was filled with sorrow that events had come to this pass. He lamented, Resistance is destruction for men. We resolutely gave battle. There was clashing of hard swords, the strong plying of spears on the sides of noble warriors, and the breaking of buckles on shields. Full of troubles are the plains of Ireland, disaster we found about its woods, the loss of many good men. So in the morning they set out on one final glorious charge, rending and tearing all before them, wild and fiery. It was then that Srang challenged Nuada to single combat as they had fought in the previous battle. Nuada faced him bravely and boldly, as if he had been whole, and said, If single combat on fair terms be what you seek, fasten your right hand, as I have lost mine. Only so our combat can be fair. If you have lost your hand, that lays me under no obligation, said Sreng, for our combat was on fair terms. We ourselves took up the quarrel. The Tua took counsel and their decision was to offer Shrang his choice of the provinces of Ireland, while a compact of peace, goodwill and friendship should be made between the two peoples. And so they make peace, and Shrang chooses the province of Connacht. The Firbold gathered around him for, from every side, and stubbornly and triumphantly took possession of the province against the Tua. The Tua made Brez their king, and he was high king for seven years. 
And this is the story of the plain of Moituracunga, which can be found today in the surrounds of Kong in the province of Connacht in Ireland.